Hello and welcome in to another edition of the Sacramento State Hornets Stingers Up Football Podcast. I'm Jason Ross. Thank you so much for joining us here for another week. Got a fun podcast coming your way. And again, uh, tell your friends, subscribe. You'll know when the episodes drop and you'll be ready to get the very latest on Sacramento State Hornet football. Today on the podcast, uh, interview time. We get a chance to check in with senior offensive lineman Brandon Weldon. Brandon's had a really good career as a Sacramento State Hornet. So we get a chance to catch up with him, hear his story, um, part of that very good offensive line. And Brandon's seen a little bit of everything. He has been in the program a long time. He first arrived under Jody Sears, was coached by Paul Wolf on the offensive line, then went through the coaching transition into Troy Taylor, also had the COVID year, and now is in grad school and playing great football and just living his best life. So we look forward to that conversation coming your way in a few moments. It's game week again. Uh, Weird to have the schedule the way it played out where the Hornets had the home opener and season opening win against Utah Tech and then had a bye. And now the Hornets go right back into business. They got 10 consecutive weeks of football and hopefully more after that. But the next three will all be on the road. And it starts Saturday in Cedar Falls at Northern Iowa, a very good football team that has not had a win yet. They're 0-2. We'll kind of give you a game breakdown. We'll also look back at the disappointing loss in the first ever matchup between the two teams last year at Hornets Stadium. And really after that, then the Hornets played Cal and kind of found themselves and ended up having a dream season. But they had to go through some uh, some bumps and some rough roads, and it started really with a, a game last year against Northern Iowa, which, which we will explain a little bit later. But let's start. Let's jump into it. Let's get to our guest, and it is Brandon Weldon. I had a chance to catch up with him over at the school, and, you know, there's a lot of different elements that make up a good football team. And for anybody that's watched football for any extended amount of time, the value of the trenches, the defensive line and the offensive line never gets enough credit. I know that Steve McElroy and myself and Danny, when we broadcast the game, we try to give love to the offensive line because we know the value of it. And we know how important it is not only to protect the quarterback, but to function the offense, certainly the ground game. And when the Hornets racked up one of their most productive rushing games in the history of the program well the offensive line deserves credit and they were instrumental in helping the Hornets get that first week win and Brandon Weldon is a really interesting story and had a chance to catch up with him so hopefully you enjoy this conversation with senior offensive lineman Brandon Weldon. Brandon you've been in this program a long time Uh, let's kind of go back to the beginning maybe high school El Segundo and um, what brought you to the Hornets? Why did you pick Sac State? Uh, honestly, uh, I just had a fell in love with the program. It was my first, basically, program that actually showed me some interest and showed me some love. So when they brought me out here, and just it was just a whole different scenery, and I was just I just fell in love with just the team and just Sacramento in a whole. At that time, I'm trying to think back. Which coach got you? Who who was the coach that recruited you that kind of sold you? I know Jody Sears was the coach, but who was there a recruiting coach that got you? Uh, Coach uh, Paul Wolf got me. He, oh, yeah. Yeah, he would always come down to my high school and just talk to me and just he just showed me showed me love. Like I said, it just really made me feel at home. It just made me feel like they actually wanted me to come play out here. All along, did you think you would be a college football player, or when did it kind of realize like, yeah, I'm good enough to play college football? And I honestly didn't hit till like senior year because I didn't. Really, my school is really small. It's in a small area, so there's not really much college recruiting going down in like the Ocean League area. 
So senior year when I just I just sent my college tape out to a bunch of coaches and then when people started hitting me back and saying like okay this guy can play that's when I was like okay I, maybe I can go do this in the college college league. It worked. I mean you've been right guard here, right tackle. You've been left tackle I think in in high school or probably all positions. What what position do you prefer to play on the O line? It was crazy. Twenty nineteen I loved playing right tackle and then when they told me like maybe you should play guard. I was like, you know what? I was kind of hesitant at first because uh, I haven't played guard since, like, 2018. It was only for just a little bit. So, I mean, when I first went out there in 2021 and played guard and actually did pretty good, I was I was excited. I was, like, really, like, wow, I can actually do this too. I can, I'm very versatile. I can go all, both ways, any side of the ball. Or so I think, uh, I think I'm going to go right guard. Mm-hmm. What I play now, I love it. I love being able to pull and just lay somebody out and just <laughs> just doing all type of things there. As far as this offensive line, you're you have the most experience. You've been around a long time. There's some good young players around you too. What do you think about the totality of what you have as an O line, and do you feel like you're one of the leaders of that group? Uh, I definitely think I'm one of the leaders. Me and uh, our left tackle Troy Stephen, we've been we came in together 2017. So I mean, me and him been together all of these six years. So both of us are leaders definitely. Uh, as a as an offensive line, I love that the young guys were able to come in and step in. They're strong, they're fast, they're athletic, they're smart, they know football. It's not It's not really a step behind for them being young. It's just bringing them together and we just all mold and just be one great unit. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious with an offensive line, man, when an offensive lineman like you think is a good game. Like when the game ends, obviously you want to win. If you win, that checks one box. But, you know, we can see receiver stats, running back stats. Obviously, keeping Asher or Jake clean is probably ideal. But what, when the game ends, what do you feel like you knew you had a good game? Definitely feeling like we own the line of scrimmage. If we can call a run play and we know that we're pushing the defensive line back and we're getting, uh, I mean, it can either be three yards. I mean, three yards is better than nothing. But just knowing that we're dominating the line of scrimmage and they're not pushing us back, and, of course, keeping Jake and Ash clean is always number one. We hate them to get hurt. We hate the running backs to get tackled behind the backfield. But definitely just knowing that we're dominating that line, just the defense line or the linebackers, whoever's on there is not stopping us from going forward. Now, football fans will always say, oh, there's holding on every play. Let's be honest. How often is holding happening with offensive linemen? Say, we don't hold. <laughs> we don't hold. We grab, as, uh-huh. as Coach Rich would say. Uh, we're great grabbers. But, um <laughs> Sometimes you can get away with holding, definitely on like the interior, the guards in the center. It's kind of hard with tackle because they're on the outside, and uh, if you get ran around, the arm can sometimes get around. But I don't think we hold. We just, as I said, great grabbers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for you personally, uh, if you're lined up with someone on the other side of you or someone you have to block or potentially uh, match up with, speed or size, what, what, I don't know, concerns, but each has its own challenge. If someone was quick or really strong, which one bothers you more? Um, I actually like going against guys that are probably big and strong because, I mean, even though I'm not the biggest guy out there, I have pretty good strength myself. And I know like, if you're a bigger guy and you're really strong, you're not lasting in our tempo. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get tired pretty fast. So a guy that's like, really quick in speed uh, can be kind of a like a headache. But, I mean, for me playing tackle, going back to 2019 playing tackle, I've dealt with guys with speed. So like, I'm, I'm pretty good at all around. So I guess like maybe if a guy's more faster than just strong would be – be what I say. You mentioned tempo. You guys don't have a lot of 10, 12, 15 play drives, but if you did, there is a pace to your offense. How do, how do you like that conditioning element of the O-line? Uh, it was really different when we first started. Mm-hmm. We didn't really run tempo back when we were with uh, Coach Sears, 
did a little bit, but uh, Coach Taylor, he focuses on tempo. Uh, if you go to practice, we'll play horn the ball, and we're just going play after play after play, and it's uh, it actually helps. So when we played Utah Tech, we had one drive where we literally, it was literally just like our horn ball. We do a play, get the ball down, we're on the ball again, we're doing a play. So definitely that conditioning aspect, and just making sure that we're more conditioned in the defense because we're going to keep coming after you. Now, you've seen it all. If we go through your timeline, as you mentioned, brought in by Coach Wolf and Coach Sears was here. Some winning, some losing. But now Troy Taylor's here and Coach Richardson's your O-line coach. You guys have been doing nothing but winning. What, In your words, I mean, what has been the difference as far as the success now than maybe hasn't been in the Hornet program before? Uh, success now? I think, I think we had great coaches then and we have great coaches now. I think it just goes up the scheme, just being able to adapt. Uh, our team now, I know, like, if anything happens during the game, we're pretty good at adapting. It's, we're, not, we're not just doing the same thing over and over where we'll change. Like, if a play on offense doesn't work or a play on defense doesn't work, we'll change, and then we'll make sure that it works. So I think that's, like, our adaptability because we, we had great players then and we have great players now. So I just think it's our adaptability that makes us better now. What's been, as far as your football career here, you've got some conference accolades. Your team has won individual. I mean, you have individual accolades. Conference has, team has conference accolades. What's been your favorite moment to date as a Hornet? Favorite moment? That's hard. Uh, Making the playoffs, beating Davis. I don't know. what. what which one ranks? Like, what ranks most to you that you think about the most? Uh, making the playoffs is, is great, and then also always beating Davis. But even what actually – like made me feel good the most was going against like the big schools like Fresno State or even Arizona State even Cal even though we didn't win those games being able to compete with them and make them actually feel like there's a sweat a little bit like maybe a small FCS school can really go up there and compete uh we're we're still gonna go for that F the FBS win but uh, I think those actually those three games made me feel like okay we're actually a pretty good football team and and we almost had a chance to beat them so what does that say can we go even higher yeah you got another one coming up. I know you got Northern Iowa to worry about first, but Colorado State. Those games, when you play that, does that watching them? It doesn't feel like there's a big difference between you and those other teams. How does it feel when you're playing in it? It's it's surreal. I mean, you're going to the schools that have just a lot of just money and facilities and all that. So like, you walk in there, you're like, okay, this is this is like real like real big football. So I mean, it's just really surreal uh, going out there and playing them. It's I don't feel like there's much of a difference, but it is just the environment is way different than coming. When we play home here, it's definitely different. Even the other big sky schools, it's definitely different playing FBS schools. I know it was probably fun for you last year to go to Montana and win. That was a great atmosphere, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. We needed payback from 2018 (laughs) when we went there. So just going there and winning and shutting shutting the crowd down because, you know, they always get super loud. And they always, when the offense is on, they're always talking and screaming just – so being able to keep the, the crowd silent and just having us win, that was, that was really amazing. I know there's a long season left to go. Hopefully all the goals are hit by the Hornets. But when your season is done, what's next for you? You've already graduated. You're working on your master's. What, what do you envision when the football season is done for you? Uh, I will train for pro day and then see where that takes me. But I do want to stay and uh, finish my last semester and get my master's because always education is important to me and just you – know, just want to make sure that like I have something to fall back on, just in case the league does not work. What's your What are you studying your master's in? Uh, recreation administration. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to hopefully in the future I want to open a nonprofit for like low income students, like the Sacramento area, to help them with uh, academics, uh, college prep, and then even athletic training. Mm. 
So if football doesn't happen, and that goes, it's, you mentioned Sacramento, so you grew up in Southern Cal, as, as uh, Northern California kind of hooked you? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Being out here for these six years, I love Sacramento. Uh, to me, it's not really much of a difference between here and L.A. It's just I love that it's not as busy and it's not like the traffic is as uh, busting as it is in L.A. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I tell like all my friends and people that live in L.A., like, you can do anything out here that you can do in L.A. We might not have the beaches, but, I mean, you can go to a river, a lake, or something like that. But I definitely love Sacramento. I've told my parents, and they always ask me, like, why would you? Why do you want to go out there? It's like Cowtown. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess you just don't stay out here long enough to yeah. really enjoy Sacramento. So, As far as the team, I know you're with them, you know, more than your family. Obviously, you guys are your own family. What kind of bond and relationships have you made with past Hornets and current Hornets? I'm a pretty sociable guy. Like, I've, I've always been able to, like, go in a room and just make friends, so – I've definitely made a lot of brothers, a lot of family members uh, from past Hornets and uh, Hornets that came in now, even the new guys that came in now. I always call them my great-grandkids because <laughs> you're not that old. I, I know, but when, you, when you're born in 20, 2003 and 2004, and I'm still in the 1990s, so I just call them my grandkids. But uh, even like the past Hornets, if they have kids, like, I'm always like their uncle mm-hmm. to the kids. So I've definitely built a, a lot of bonds with my brothers here. That's awesome. And so as you've experienced this through your six years, um, have you noticed even a, a different vibe on campus about the uh, Hornet football program? Definitely. Uh, we definitely have more support. I remember 2018 when we were pretty bad. There was sometimes games would have no stands. I remember uh, North Dakota game 2018 uh, when our Hornet walked. We didn't even have, like, a police officer to escort us. Wow. Like, everyone was late. It was just It was just a bad feeling. So, Definitely going out to the first game and seeing the the stands packed was a def- definitely just a different different feeling. I love that every year we're getting more and more support for us. That's awesome. So, uh, do you have personal goals then for you uh, as a football player for this the rest of this year? Uh, personal goals definitely keep my quarterback safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to dominate the line, as I said. I want to put everyone that's in front of me uh, on their butts. <laughs> uh, of course, I want to go all conference. I want to do all American this year. So. I got a big year ahead of me, so I'm excited. Is that weird when I mean you now you've played with it, but Jake and then Asher, Jake. I mean, it, it could be five plays in a row, could switch every play. Just hearing a different voice, or are you just used to that now? Used to it now. Definitely 2021. It was weird because uh, we started off the season with mostly Ash playing, and then just in the middle of the season, just molding both of them together and fi- figuring out like, okay, if Ash is in, how do we, how do I have to block to make sure Ash is safe? And then the same with Jake. So it just. Be able to know that I have to just be able to adapt, as I said earlier, just adapt to whoever I have behind me. All right, lastly then, so when maybe you're watching film with the rest of the linemen and Coach Richardson, what's what's your favorite play to see you do on a film? I mean, is it just smashing somebody a pancake block? Like, what's your, what do you can't wait to see on a film that you did? Definitely when I pull. Mm-hmm. I've always been good at just pulling and finding my target and just delivering the hammer, so... Uh, any play we run, or if I'm just trap pulling, or even just pulling around someone, is going to find a linebacker. Definitely one of my favorite yeah. plays. Yeah. You see the fear in their eyes. Uh, I see their eyes light up, and then <laughs> then I'm going straight through them. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, congrats on your success. I hope you reach all your goals, and uh, I know the Hornet fans have been happy that you've been here for for so long. And and if football, well, hopefully football works out. But if not, after that, giving back to Sacramento is pretty awesome. So congrats on Brandon and everything, and best of luck the rest of the year. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Like I said in the uh, pre-intro to that interview, Brandon's seen a lot. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation and uh, has been a really great Hornet. And uh, those are the kind of stories you like, guys that come to the program, 
adopt Sacramento basically as their new home. And I wish nothing but the best for Brandon. I hope there's a long football career ahead of him. But if not, he already has that next thought. Nonprofit, helping giving back to Sacramento. I mean, he's going to be a Sacramentan. And that doesn't have to go that way. But he came to school and fell in love with the city, wants to make a difference in the community. And I just like that we highlight people like that. That's wonderful. I think the the more Brandon Weldons we have in the world, the better our world will be. So I wish Brandon the best going forward. But Brandon's got a lot of football left and a lot of football this season, including this weekend. He will be an an important part in the matchup against Northern Iowa. And one of my favorite things about last year's game with Northern Iowa is the contrast in styles. And I thought it was so evident watching the teams basically even come out on the field. One of my routines that I like to do before the game is go down on the field and kind of walk the field, see the players, uh, sometimes test our our wireless mic uh, for our crowd just to make sure everything's kind of in check. But also there's a little fact-finding. And when you go down on the field, the Hornets are big. They're very fast. But when I saw the Panthers of Northern Iowa last year, especially the O-line and the D-line, I went, wow. Very, very big up front on both sides of the ball. So they were literally a size versus speed element to the game that I found fascinating. And as the game went along, size would have plays where you go, that they're just too big. And then there were plays where you go, the speed and the team speed of the Hornets was too much for the Panthers. So it was an odd game in that contrast, which doesn't always stick out. I mean, there's game plan and scheming, and maybe a team's not as good as run, defend, or... Uh, they're vulnerable to the pass or strength in passing, vice versa, special teams, whatever it might be. But to literally see a size versus speed dynamic was fun to watch. And the way the game was playing out, the Hornets were doing okay. And, and okay wasn't good enough. And then honestly, in all the years I've done it, and there's been plenty of years where the Hornets have had one in 10 seasons, two in nine seasons. But when a team was coming off a big sky conference championship, a playoff appearance and considered to be pretty good and had won their first game. Now they were playing game two. They were up at the half and then it completely flipped on the Hornets. And it was a game that got out of hand large in part due to six turnovers. You can't win a game with two, maybe three turnovers. You get to four, no chance. How about six? So it was brutal in the first ever matchup between Northern Iowa and Sacramento state. Let's listen back to, unfortunately how it went at times against Northern Iowa last year. A third quarter that has produced 21 points for Northern Iowa. None for the Hornets. Well, doesn't even know yards for the Hornets. Yeah, nothing. Hornets at 245 at the half. They have 263. So an 18-yard half with no, or quarter with no points. And they haven't had the ball at all, doesn't seem like, because they've been three and outs or turnovers. Here on third down. Day looking to his left, throws towards the end zone, has a man. It's caught. Did they get it in? Did he get his feet in? Touchdown. Touchdown. Four touchdowns in the quarter. They throw an out route to Quan Hampton, who just got his feet in on the side of the end zone. A brilliant quarter for the visiting Panthers, and they have blown this one wide open. Great catch, pulling a standing Hampton there on the corner. Quan had 99 yards a week ago. This, this is, we were talking about it, the first half being one of the more bizarre games because it was 9-7. This one just completely switched. I mean, just, I don't think we've seen a game like this. All credit to Northern Iowa. They've been great. And I think the quarterback switch made a world of difference. 
They're big, they're strong, and when they're playing ahead of situations, now they could just, they sense it. They, they feel really good. As uh, they go for two, it's not converted. 34 to nine, 52 seconds left. And what I hope is the worst quarter by far this year for the Hornets, because if there's one worse, I don't know if I want to see it. A 28-point, well, 27-point surge here as Northern Iowa has just crushed this quarter. They now lead 34 to 9. Well, the self-destruction was was really the problem for the Hornets. Just too many mistakes. And like we said earlier, after that game, the Hornets then went and played Cal. And that's the first game they really kind of played two quarterbacks if you go to the northern iowa game I mean, that's a game where asher o'hara threw the ball a ton and that's not normally in his dna and as we've now seen hasn't been the way troy taylor's wanted it to be for the offense we're seeing a balance between asher and jake and that balance proved to be a problem for defenses and it continues to be and that's why this year's matchup will be different and if we look at northern iowa now uh, first thing that jumps out again will be their size uh, how well coached they are. They've got a very experienced coach, an experienced team. And what they've been known for over the years has been their defense. Right now, it's not playing as well. Part of it has been their opponent. They opened up against Air Force and really had a rough game and gave up a ton of rushing yards. But Air Force runs a very unique kind of triple option type look, uh, which not many other teams do across the country. And again, they played up in level. And then last week, a game where they could have won but it was a Missouri Valley football conference game, so a league game for Northern Iowa, and they dropped that one to North Dakota. So a big league loss. They're 0-2. They're now unranked. This game is their home opener. It's a very important game for Northern Iowa. And when you look at the conference's playoff teams from a year ago, Northern Iowa didn't have the best record, but part of the reason I think they got in was because of their win on the road at Sacramento State. The Hornets ended up winning the Big Sky. They were 8-0, one of the highly ranked teams. And Northern Iowa had that feather in their cap of a win, a convincing win at Sacramento State. So when I look at this year's game and this week's matchup, uh, yeah, sure, revenge is on the mind. But, I mean, each year is different. There's not all the same players for the Hornets, not all the same players for Northern Iowa. And I know Coach Troy Taylor and even the players are just going to be thinking about winning this game, not about getting revenge from a year ago. Uh, That's probably more for us and fans and so on that – you know, anybody that defeated you, you want to beat them the next time you get a crack at them. Uh, for me, it's about the Hornets keeping things going, coming off of a bye week. What did they improve on? The running game was sensational. The offense was great in week one. The defense gave up too many yards, gave up too many big plays. What did Andy Thompson and the defensive crew work on? Uh, Theo Day is the quarterback for Northern Iowa. He came in during the Hornet game last year and that was kind of an in-game switch where they weren't playing very well, and he's gotten the spot and kept it. And they have been able to move the ball down the field via the pass. So that's an area where Northern Iowa may look to attack. Basically, to me, if the Hornets play a clean game, and that's limit penalties and certainly turnovers, can get their ground game going and then find that balance of the passing game and all of the offensive weapons that the Hornets can throw out there between Marshall Martin, all the receivers. Pierre Williams was quiet in week one. I know he's more than capable of having a monster game and finding that Scadaboo, Fulcher, running game attack with Asher O'Hara, it could be a good day for the Hornets. It's a, it's a long trip, you know, I guess three-quarters of the way across the country going to Iowa, but uh, first time there. It'll be a good atmosphere, a big stage, but this team has gone through stuff like that. So 
I'm anxious to see how the Hornets respond. Every week is a fact-finding mission to see how they're really built and put together. But I know they're well-coached. I think they've got a lot of talent. They've got the higher ranking, and they've got to back it up. And can't look ahead to next week with the playing up against Colorado State. This is a long journey. They've already had their bye. They've got to lock in, stay focused, and uh, see what they can do. But looking forward to the trip, looking forward to the game. We do thank you for listening to another edition of the Stingers Up Football Podcast. Thank you to my guest, Brandon Weldon. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week to recap Northern Iowa, look ahead to Colorado State, and much more coming up on next week's episode. But thank you so much for listening. I'm Jason Ross, and uh, Stingers Up.